Episode 2 The Model Capitulation The Massacre at Fort William Henry, 1757 According to historian Michael Laramie, to build a fort like William Henry, a giant wooden box is constructed and sunken into the ground. The box is filled in with dirt from the trenches below. A parapet provides cover and a rampart provided a firing platform. The fort itself was placed on a 20-foot sandy embankment protected by the lake in the north and a swamp in the south. Bastions were extended from each point and a 30-foot wide trench surrounded the entire site. By 1757, English prospects on the New York frontier were greatly diminished due to the major defeats at Oswego the year before. British forces had retreated to Fort Edward above Albany and maintained the position at Fort William Henry on the southern shore of Lake George. Public pressure was mounting within the colonies and on Britain to strike a fatal blow to the French war efforts in North America. While Quebec was briefly considered, Louisbourg was settled upon as the target in order to gain control and access to the St. Lawrence River. The British High Command had stripped the northern frontiers of troops for the expedition, and the French saw their moment to strike a fatal blow to the British along the New York waterways. An early winter raid in 1757 by 1,600 French, led by Governor General Vaudreuil's younger brother Rigaud, were repulsed at Fort William Henry when a sudden blizzard dropped three feet of snow and forced the French to lift the four-day siege. The French had neglected to bring a siege train, nor many ladders, but had been able to destroy the entire British lake flotilla and their sawmills. The previous victory at Oswego had increased tensions between Vaudreuil and Montcalm over the use of Le Guerre Sauvage. High ransom prices previously paid had caused over 2,000 warriors to show up in Montreal by the spring of 1757. It was the largest pan-Indian force ever assembled by the French. Jesuits were assigned as Lyonze officers to the native warriors that were said to come from as many as 36 nations. Tribes from as far as Iowa arrived, and there was no one who could act as an interpreter. As if to advertise their usefulness, native allies scored the first victory of the campaign in the Battle of Sabbath Point on July 23rd. They killed or captured two-thirds of the 350-strong English raiding party sent down Lake George to destroy French woodmills at Fort Carillon. General Webb just happened to be touring Fort William Henry when a few of the surviving boats carrying the panicked soldiers pulled up to the fort's docks. As panic spread, Webb promised reinforcements from Fort Edward and quickly gathered his staff and galloped instantly back towards the Hudson. On July 30th, 8,000 Troupe de la Marine, Correa de Bois, and Native allies left Fort Carillon to move up Lake George against Fort William Henry. The French force contained 250 bateaux and 150 Indian war canoe. Colonel George Monroe, meanwhile, commanded the 35th Regiment of Foot at Fort William Henry, and he was supplemented by colonial militia. He had a garrison of around 2,400 men and 18 cannon to defend against the French attack. Efforts were made towards boat building, but the winter raid by the French had almost totally destroyed the fleet of whale boats that the English had used to move up and down the lake. Colonel Monroe had no effective measure to meet the French on Lake George and had to hunker down in the well-designed fort. 
He quickly assigned runners to General Webb at Fort Edward in hope of the reinforcements that he was promised. General Webb had some 3,000 soldiers with him in Fort Edward and the surrounding outposts. He could march to Fort Edward without delay and significantly strengthen Fort William Henry's garrison. But he must navigate the highly wooded portage road to get there. So now, if you picture the movie Last of the Mohegans, this can give you a peek into the geography. Picture the narrow road that Duncan and Colonel Monroe's daughters were ambushed on in a trap set by the Indian scouts. General Webb judged the threat of ambush to be too great on that same portage road. If Webb's relief force was defeated, the road to Albany would be wide open. Webb never envisioned Fort William Henry to be a central strong point, only a defensible outpost. He would make his defensive stand at Fort Edward where he could be supplied by the Hudson River. Parti de la Guerre of over 3,000 natives and Canadian militia landed near the southern terminus of Lake George and cut off the fort on August 3rd. Just as General Webb had feared, the French were laying in wait to ambush any British reinforcements sent down the Portage Road to reinforce Fort William Henry. Colonel Monroe had refused calls for surrender on August 6th, and the French began digging a series of diagonal siege trenches towards the fort. The French were encamped directly northwest on sloping ground near where the center of the modern-day Lake George village lies. British soldiers, militia, and native allies fought from bastions and lived in barracks meant to house only 500. The remaining soldiers would have normally encamped to the east in a fortified enclosure. As French siege lines crept ever closer, the wounded in the fort would have sought refuge below in the casement. The subterranean level would have included a hospital, supply closet, kitchen, and jail. The French had bombarded Fort William Henry for a full three days and were able to advance their siege lines up to where the modern Fort William Henry Hotel now stands. The construction of the parking lot actually unveiled several era graves. French artillery was able to set up a nine-gun breach battery by August 9th, which faced the battered western bastion of the forts. Montcalm felt his opponent had ably and honorably defended the post, so he contacted Monroe with the offer of surrender with the full honors of war. Montcalm had obtained an intercepted message from General Webb that denied reinforcements to lift the siege. Faced with a brutal bombardment and storming of the fort if he did not surrender, Monroe inquired as to the terms of the surrender. Montcalm was happy to oblige him. Montcalm's offer of the honors of war would allow the British to leave the fort with personal items, arms, and colors as parolees for 18 months. They were even permitted to have a single field piece to march out with as well. Monroe quickly agreed and concluded the affair by lavishing the French delegation with wine from the officers' mess. It was a model capitulation. Montcalm gathered the leaders of his native allies that evening and informed them of the conditional surrender. Insulted by the lack of consultation and impoverished by missing the fur trapping season, the warriors seethed at this blatant disregard for their honor. French officers had earlier lost control of native allies and Canadians. The fort was ransacked and the wounded and sick in the hospitals inside were scalped. French forces scrambled to protect the powder and arms from the mob and the British camp next to the fort was ransacked. Looting continued and rumors flew all night that natives were planning an ambush and some British forces attempted to leave under cover of darkness. Though native French chiefs had agreed to accompany the parolees, 
panicked camp followers hastily began to march back to Fort Edward at first light. Scattered trunks and personal belongings filled the Portage Road, and the rising sun would only serve to illuminate the unfolding horror on August 10, 1757. The rear of the British column was set upon first. 185 soldiers and camp followers were murdered, while between 500 and 700 were taken as captive. The massacre of Fort William Henry would turn from a dispute over plunder into an international diplomatic crisis. Montcalm failed in his efforts to buy back the captives, and several hundred showed up in Montreal days later. Natives were instantly rebuked by Governor General Vaudreuil, so they boiled one poor English captive alive right there on the Montreal street. Vaudreuil quickly gave his captives everything they wanted and paid the full equivalent of an entire soldier's salary for one year to avoid further bloodshed. Monroe didn't make it back to Fort Edward until August 16th, and only in the presence of a full French escort. He would die three months later. Historian Richard Waddington comments, Unhappily for the renown of Montcalm and his army, this fine feat of arms was terminated by this terrible massacre. The British abrogated the terms of surrender and blamed the French for the massacre as intentional hostage-taking. No surrendering French force was offered the full honors of war for the rest of the conflict. Natives brought back smallpox to the upper Great Lakes that devastated their manpower and led to a temporary break with Montcalm. Montcalm ordered the fort to be burned and returned to Fort Carillon. The site of the fort was excavated and reconstructed to the original plans in the 1950s. (laughs) 